0: You're listening to Yellow Peril Tactical, the Tiger Block Podcast. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Yellow Peril Tactical, the Tiger's Block Podcast. I'm your host, Soju Operator, and I'm joined with my other collaborators with uh, YPT, Snow. Say hi, Snow.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Snow, she, they pronouns.
0: Uh, All right, Soju Operator, also uh, uh, he, him pronouns, and I'm joined by John Chinaman,
2: Hey y'all, John Chinaman here. I really appreciate being described as a, uh, you know, collaborator. I like that. It sounds sounds you know, cool.
0: <laughs> and our we have a really cool guest on for today, and that is Odie. Also goes by on Instagram, not your boyfriend, but Odie. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourself.
3: Well, you just called me pretty cool, which is setting the bar really high, (laughs) so I uh, (laughs) hope to disappoint. Um, My name is Odie. Uh, My pronouns are they, them, and yeah, I'm not your boyfriend on Instagram. Do you want me to, like, say something about what I am or what I do or I don't know, what do you want? Yeah? Cool. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I mostly, I guess, I'm a memer. I do do memes on the Instagram, Uh, you know, what the kids are doing these days. And then um, I also am a writer, so I write zines and then I write pieces for different people who are willing to pay me to do that. And then I also identify as like a harm reductionist and I'm also a firearms instructor uh, as inactive as I am in doing that currently. Yes. So that's a short little blurb about my uncoolness.
0: I uh, don't sell yourself short. It's, it's great to have you on because I think that one of our major goals, of this podcast is to connect more with other leftists doing great work that, you know, we don't know about or see every day, you know, just from the quick glance of getting to know you, I mean, you have a, an enormous Instagram following, and a lot of that's attributed with the work you're doing because you, as you said earlier, you make zines, and your all of your posts are like consistently these really brightly imaged composite graphics, but they all have like an important message. Whether whether that could be humorous or something very serious, it's all about like uh, self care, community development, community protection, fighting you know like toxic manipulation under capitalism, all kinds of great stuff. And so I guess well, I guess one one of my first questions for you would be specifically, and I guess you kind of already touched on this, what is your Instagram account about? And how did you even get into the work of making zines and making that also part of your social media presence?
3: Yeah, so uh, the way I started making memes and like what it is now is a totally different thing. I started out making like cum jokes, like back in like 2016. Nice. uh, On like what was known as like weird Facebook. You know, I started out, I did a lot of those like, Emoji like chain message memes, you know what I'm talking about? Like, send this to eight, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, get 12 back, and daddy will give you cummies all night long. Like, it was so <laughs> cringy.
1: Hell like, yeah, that's how I started out.
2: I forward those today to my friends, so that's pretty dope.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. still going around.
3: I see no
0: Excellent origin story.
3: Yeah, I mean, should I get back to my roots? I don't know. You know, sometimes I question these things. Um, I do have a side F7 account. To 12 memes. <laughs> yeah, I do have a side account called Not Your Shit Post, where I do occasionally still make a cum joke. So, but yeah, so um, it kind of accidentally evolved into what it is now. Um, I made one sincere post, and I was like, oh, cringe sincerity. You know what I mean? Kind of like how our generations just like kind of do cringe at sincerity in a way. But like it performed really well, and people were like, hey, da da da. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll make some more stuff like this and see what happens. And then it became more intentional. And so, like, where I'm at in my life right now, um, like three years later, is everything that I do uh, is intentionally like working towards collective liberation. So, whether that's teaching people about community defense in real life, whether that is doing harm reduction. So, like, my day job, I do syringe exchange, right? So, I'm getting people who use drugs connected with. Uh, new supplies so they can use drugs safely, not contract uh, HIV, hepatitis C, so they can reverse overdoses, not overdose in the first place. So just doing that kind of work um, in my day life. And then I'm involved with Freedom Street Health, where we put together wound care kits for injection drug users and make sure they have what they need to take care of their wounds. And so that's something I do on a regular basis. We also do lots of education and stuff. But the meme page is like this different piece of it where it's like I see a lot of Particularly leftist community recently, we're touching on all the bases, right? We're not just doing go shoot, go practice. It's also like grow food, right? Learn medicine, right? Like we're getting all these pieces of like, how do we care for community? And how would we be able to take care of each other? um, You know, no matter what, right outside of these systems that are set up to fail everyone. So I want to take that another step further and like, how can we not just improve our material conditions, but how can we imp- improve our emotional and mental conditions Because I think that's something that's often, you know, we joked about it for so many years. For so many years, memes were like the depression memes where you joke about suicide. You joke about how anxious you are, but you're not actually doing anything about it. Right. So I wanted to take kind of like a cringy, sincere spin on that. And it still has the same kind of styling with the bright colors and like the metal fonts and all that. But it's like, hey, here's actually like sincerely you know, this problem or whatever. And like, this is a way you can actually like try and feel better or like do something better or like grow as a person and behave better. Um, and I think that's a huge piece. Cause like, fuck, if we don't see our movements fall apart from interpersonal conflict, not being navigated properly, like that's a huge problem.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, that's excellent. I think you touch upon a lot of great points. Like a lot of leftist activism, kind of tends to be hyper focused on specifics so you know in the gun in the gun world and there's a lot more let's us gun owners uh i i I feel than there were a year ago a lot of us become too hyper focused on the defense aspect which is great and totally worth going into but also like you know there's that so i mean i even saw a meme about it where it was like you know all this stuff about guns, but you don't know how to stop bleeding, right? So how to stop the bleed or uh, what's your solution under a genuine survival situation? Like, do you know how to actually grow your own food? Do you know how to, uh, like, navigate within your own area, etc.? So, like, what your work is, do- you know, doing is very underrated, underappreciated. And uh, I guess I'm, I would have to assume, like, a lot of that's also... Uh, relatable to your audience seeing as like, you have so many followers i, I um I, I haven't really checked all the engagement but you must get crazy engagement per post uh you know with whatever topic you're talking about
3: yeah definitely like i feel like you know it's at least 10 percent engagement is usually what you want to see if you have like authentic followers and i get at least that like i get usually about fifty thousand story views on my stories and stuff like that so it's a lot um But the thing is, is, you know, I look at like my uh, demographics or whatever of who's following me and I even ask questions in my stories like to kind of feel that out a little better than Instagram breaks it down. And I thought that most of my followers were young straight girls, but I don't think that's true anymore because uh, I guess over 80% of my followers from 40,000 that responded identify as some kind of queer or gay And then uh, over 40% said that they don't identify as cisgender. Uh, And around, like, 25% said they identify as explicitly trans. So I was like, that's dope. Like, I'm reaching my own people. Like, that's super cool. But um, at the same time, it's like, I do have a lot of, like, cis heterosexual followers. I do have a lot of teenage girls who follow me. I have a lot of people across, like, a very wide span of, like, ways of life. And I have a lot of people that, like think guns are bad that follow me too. And I've had a lot of people that have changed their perspectives on those things through, you know, hearing me out, which is really dope to like being able to like access people via, I don't know, whatever kind of way I do. And then I can talk about these other things like capitalism and I can talk about gun ownership and community defense. And they're like, oh, wait, maybe this isn't so ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I mean, right on so we we spoke about it or you spoke about it just now, so within where you're located and that's Minneapolis, correct
3: yes, Minneapolis, Minnesota
0: you briefly mentioned it before the organization and things you've done uh Atlas Defense Freedom Street health and I guess we'll just break it down really quick what got you into the the practice of firearms you know ownership and shooting and then eventually training
3: yeah so. I've always been a pro-gun leftist, um that's just how I've always been. I originally like learned how to shoot from my cousin when I was like 12 and I was like living with my aunt on the reservation for a short period of time because they took me in instead of uh, letting me go to this court ordered boot camp situation. So that was cool. But I mean, that wasn't something that really became a part of my life. I'm from the inner city, North Minneapolis. Like that's just not something I really had access to. And so as an adult, it's like I had partners that had guns at different points and I'd gone shooting, but it wasn't until the uprising last year where I was like, why isn't this something that i just like actually have in my life you know what i mean like why mm-hmm. right. why am i not practicing this thing that i do really truly believe in and preach um and so it was actually myself and a dear friend of mine who used to be anti who was like, I've actually changed my position on that.
0: <laughs> I feel and like so that's can... happened to a lot of people in the past year or two alone.
3: Yeah. And for her particularly, it was, you know, she came from a different background than me. I came from a very poor working class background. I was homeless a lot. I was incarcerated. You know, there were a lot of things that happened to me. My father was formerly incarcerated. Like, I lived the kind of life where I understood it a little different. But she came from like more of like an upper middle class background background. She lived in upstate New York. She never really had to, you know, view things the same way that I did. And so it kind of just was like a change for her. And so we both just kind of dived in really deep, started learning as quickly as we could. And then we were actually like fundraising to start a queer and BIPOC like firearms instructor group with uh, two of my former roommates. uh, And Then we didn't need to do that because we were introduced to who is now my mentor, um, Mark Manuel Holly. He's the owner of Atlas Defense. Um, I was introduced to him and I was like, this dude's really cool. And that was when he started. It was originally just his business where he did firearms instruction. Um, but then he was like training more people and he was like, I want to have more instructors and I want us to be more of a collective and like more focused on like making sure that our own communities can take care of themselves. And so, uh, yeah, he trained me and a bunch of other people. I don't currently do permit to carry courses because it's just capitalism has me down, man. Like, I work oh, yeah, full for time. Sure. Yeah, right. Like, that's the thing. I work full time. I have so much going on and I have to kind of like budget, like, what can I do with my time? But um, I do help out with situational awareness classes, which I find really valuable. I think those are, uh, equally, if not more important, actually more important, that's more important than firearms training, much more important. That's something everybody should learn.
1: Yeah. I think that's so right. Like if you don't also have some kind of deescalation mindset, you shouldn't not ever just jump to using your firearm. If you can like verbally or physically deescalate, that should a hundred percent be your priority. You know it's cool to be like yo i'm like so efficient with my firearm um but what about with your
3: words you know that's the thing right like isn't the goal to not have to ever use the firearm like to me that's the goal and like that's how that's the approach of atlas defense and teaching is like your goal is to actually not even want people to walk out of the room with their permit to carry maybe talk them out of getting their permit to carry in a lot of cases like maybe some people don't really actually need it Um, Or maybe they were seeking it for reasons that aren't necessarily the best. And so it's like getting people to question those things. Is this something that's actually safe for me to have? So that's something else that we talk about is like actually having people consider like, what is your mental health? You know what I mean? Like, are you in control of your emotions? Are you really reactionary? Have you been having suicidal ideation? Like what's going on with you? And is this something that's actually a good fit into your life? And if so, even if you've had some of those issues, like, is that something you're going to talk to your people about and make sure you're good? But to kind of get back to the question, what ended up happening with the money we had fundraised is we decided to turn that into a mutual aid fund. So what we're doing with that now is um, when BIPOC or trans folks go through a permit to carry course with Atlas Defense, if they don't have the money to pay the application fee to the state, because in my state it's $100, that's a barrier. You take your permit to carry class, and then you have to pay $100 to the state to get your permit to carry. Yeah, blows. Well, yeah, it does, right? But so um, we called it Earthwind Gunfire. And so now what Earthwind Gunfire does is <laughs> if somebody takes the course through Atlas Defense and they need the assistance paying that fee, we just Venmo, cash App, PayPal it to them, whatever. All they have to do is be like, yep, I got my cert through the course. We'll be like, here's your 100 bucks. Go do your thing. You know, because that shouldn't be a barrier for anybody.
0: That's great. No, I 100% agree. That's a big thing in my state as well, by the way. the uh, Right.
2: The, the fees, you pay for the class, you pay for the licensing, you got to go get fingerprints, massive barrier. And here in my area, there is no open carry. The only way to carry a gun, out, I mean, not that most people even want to open carry, but the only way to carry a gun outside your, uh, outside your house is... Is concealed carry. So, with those fees, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's a great initiative in in getting people owning firearms.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, how do we expect to arm the working people, especially people that have systemically faced larger barriers? Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, when you have racism and when you have transphobia and when you have all these things, and then you're like, Oh, but we need a hundred dollars. Like it's just gun control perpetuating what it always has, which is the entire point of trying to keep guns out of the hands of people that they don't want to have guns.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And I, I think, you know, you telling us about your story about how you know you grew up with around guns, but you also grew up with a lot of adversity in your life, whether that be financial or or otherwise, right? But you also had a friend that grew up more of an upper middle class. And uh, it really, it really feeds into and how it informs your opinion rather on matters like guns, because so many people that are staunchly anti-gun or whatever are more often than not people who come from a position of privilege because they don't understand what struggle means. They don't understand what it means to have someone to want to murder them because of how they look or what they believe in, right? Genuinely speaking, so a position of gun control is letting someone else do the violence for them or. Um, right. Cause they don't have to think about these problems. And I, I think what 2020 has shown a lot, a lot of liberals, you know, a lot of, a lot of anti-gun people drove out in millions to get guns because I always tell people this when push comes to shove, you're not, it's up to you. Are you really just going to sit there and just let, let someone do harm upon you? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's always a position of privilege to talk about gun control.
3: Absolutely. And like what you just said about like, you know, they're in a position where they get to let other people do the violence for them. That's exactly it, right? It's not that violence doesn't exist if you are not protecting your own community or yourself. It's that you're willing to let the police or the military or whoever it is that's helping withhold your position of privilege and power for you. You're letting them do that violence for you. And it's like, I think sometimes people really need to experience something very different. And I feel like, For a lot of the middle class queers that moved to the inner city, um, experiencing the uprising last summer was kind of what they needed to wake the fuck up to that. Because, yeah, you know, they're the same people that are like, gentrification's bad. But, like, they literally moved here from wherever they moved here from or from the suburbs or from Wisconsin. And I'm like, I grew up poor in Northside and so did my parents, like... And now I can't afford to live in that neighborhood anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are you talking about? But, you know, sometimes they need a different experience to then realize, like, oh, shit, you're not just, like, some violent freak for wanting to own a firearm. Like, I actually think that's okay now, too. And I'm like, cool, I'm glad you also needed to be deeply traumatized to realize that that's (laughs) a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't. I've had some of the worst conversations with, you know, friends of mine. I not even just talking like random people, like friends of mine who were uh, very liberal but anti-gun and they couldn't like register in their heads that I'm a leftist who owns a gun and I like get into like drunken arguments with them and such. And it was just like, it's an absurd. Like I've had so many of these conversations. I had a friend tell me that they're so anti-gun that if someone broke into their home to kill them, they would just let it happen to support their position of being anti I'm like what are you fucking talking about what and this and this is like when they just had gotten married but they're, and they're gay by the way like they had just gotten married and I'm just like oh I'm sorry so you don't want to protect your new husband like what, what the fuck is going on here it just blew my mind and I'm not and no one here is saying that and leftists in general should not be saying that everyone has to have a gun we're not the NRA where we're trying to make a buck by having a new gun owners right but we are saying that for you to go and tell us that we can't be armed as inherently dangerous and inherently oppressive. And you, you were asking for a police state for that to happen. Like that's the one thing that we can agree with, with right wingers is that it is oppressive to do that. Can we all
2: just put up our hands if we had that one friend or friends who, who essentially would like to be allies, but then you tell them you're a gun owner and they just go wild and think that you're some sort of like crazy violent person.
1: I'm raising both my Mind hands. Up
2: here. Okay, well, I actually us, literally all of us are raising our hands.
3: No, like it's so bad. I have this friend who's only a couple years older than me, but she grew up in an upper middle class uh family to the extent where she literally is a doctor of fine art because she had the privilege of just deciding to do that with her life. Which, like, I love this person dearly, but we come from very different places, like very different places. And she actually like she doesn't live here anymore, but she approached my friend and I in an email saying she was concerned for us because of the work we were doing with firearms and all this stuff. And we had to have this long conversation and she tried to like accuse. And it was just so bad. It was like almost like you're turning into an extremist. Like I blocked her on the Internet because I was scared she was going to do that reporting me as an extremist thing. You know what
0: I mean? Jesus Christ. You
3: never know. It's just really like, what is happening? But then I remembered that multiple years ago, she got angry with a dear friend of mine for not voting for Hillary Clinton and called them a misogynist for not voting for Hillary Clinton. So I was- You gotta like,
0: love yeah. red libs. Jesus Christ. I'm like, I God.
3: should have expected this. I don't know what yeah. I was thinking not expecting this. Damn. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. I once was- um kind of like flirting with this guy, and he was like, oh, you have an AR? Like, Snow, why do you need that? And I was like, listen, buddy, if they got him, I got one. It's that <laughs> simple. And then two weeks later, he was like, oh, can, can I go to the range with you sometime? And I'm like, no, of course you
3: can. They always then want to go to the range. But like, back to your friend who's gay and married and was like, I would let them kill us. I just want to say on the record, like my girlfriend isn't allowed near guns. <laughs> she is she is too goofy and will not be patient to even listen to a safety talk like she doesn't want to go near guns but i'm telling you right now if someone tries to kill us in our sleep i'm like going to defend my girlfriend
0: yeah that should be like the minimum requirement if you're you're in a relationship with someone
3: i don't think you're allowed to call yourself gay if you wouldn't like defend your partner's life
0: Right. I mean, that goes, that goes beyond, you know, orientation or, you yeah. know, what you believe. That's just like, if you claim to be a human being with relationships and you won't do the bare minimum, like that's fucking crazy to me. I and mean, that's, that's the, yeah, yeah. That's the current fucking crazy conversation that we're at right now with guns. It's either, if you're a gun owner, you're either a crazed right wing nut job and, or you're just super anti gun. Like there's no actual middle ground for a conversation. And there's, again, even if you are a liberal, I mean, there are segments called, you know, liberal gun owners. A lot of these people also don't feel comfortable talking about guns with their own family members who are, you know, liberal but anti-gun, right? So, like, where is the room for this conversation? It's the same shit with the two-party system. It's, oh, you have to vote for a Republican or Democrat. Most people are not just picking between binary choices here that's not how human beings work that's not how anything works so yeah it's it's fucking crazy and i you know you you raised up a really good point earlier um, Odie about how um, we, we we just touched upon it just now actually about how not everyone needs to own a gun and you're talking about how your your group does has that difficult conversation what is your mental space what is your goal what is your capability and uh, I remember I spoke to you before we even went on uh, right now but how we have friends we have you know all of us have friends family members whatever and some of them are you know super into guns and all but then you have to start questioning like should they because i have friends who have repeated suicidal thoughts episodes of that to the point where they have people having to look over them so they don't end up doing something dangerous to themselves they hide their guns and separate the ammo etc and i you know i'm thinking to myself you know i don't want to ever tell someone that I can't aren't allowed to own a gun, but also it's like, if you're not, you know, if you're constantly a threat to yourself, maybe you shouldn't because a gun is not most things because it can instantly end your life.
3: Exactly. It literally is just like a couple second decision you could make and it would be irreversible forever. Right. And so it's like, if somebody is consistently at risk of things like that, like, I'm sorry, if that was somebody in my life, I would have to intervene and just be like, you're not, this isn't safe for you, you know, but also like, some people are usually safe to have guns and then sometimes might not be, you know, and it's like knowing yourself and knowing that you don't know what's going to happen and what mental state you're going to end up in. And so it's like, especially being in the trans community and also like my mentor is a veteran and like consistently like loses people that he really, really loves and cares about. And that's, you know, a lot of people in our community are leftists now and they were radicalized through their military experience. You know what I mean? And they're still at higher risk of suicide as are a lot of us trans and queer people as as well and people of color and it's just like you know when you have that higher risk it's not as simple as just saying like oh well i guess we shouldn't own guns sometimes it's as simple as saying how can we for one like i'm trying to do with my instagram account how can we improve our mental and emotional conditions but also like how can we look out for each other right like do you have a friend that you can talk to if you don't necessarily think you're in a good headspace who can hold on to your firearms for you like, do you have that friend? I think everybody should have that friend, even if you're generally mentally stable and you've never had any suicidal thoughts. I've never been suicidal in my life. I'm very lucky for that. But like, I still have a plan of who would take my firearms if anything ever went wrong. And they know of that plan. Like, it's been a conversation. And I feel like that should be a conversation for all firearm owners.
0: That That is excellent. That's, that's not often talked about. Preparedness. We, when we think about preparedness we think about a lot of just we think of it mainly in the combative setting it's like oh what if someone does a rear naked choke well i gotta do this what if someone pulls a knife? but you know no one's thinking about like what if i just shot and severed my own artery in my leg or what if my friend needs uh needs to have their guns taken away for a you know maybe a week at a time or th- those are things we don't often think about and i, I always tell people it's It's more than often than not the unsexy stuff that you should be practicing more because it could be more important. Like first aid is more likely something you're going to have to do in your life, your everyday life than having to put holes in someone or. Absolutely. Yeah. Well,
3: that's the thing. So it's like, you know, I train with a firearm on a regular basis. However, I work at a syringe exchange, and where I happen to work, I work in the neighborhood I grew up in, but where I happen to work has a very, very, very high rate of gun violence, particularly the corner that I work on, like the parking lot that I work in and right across the street from it, because it's right now a turf war, and so there's a lot of gun violence that happens. I'm witness to about two shootings a week during business hours while I'm there. And at least a couple of times a month, I see somebody hit. And it's like, I have a gunshot wound first aid kit. I know how to use it. I'm always ready to run out the door if I don't see the firemen and the paramedics there before I can get out. You know what I mean? And so it's like, that is something I am much more likely going to need to use than to ever actually have to use my firearm on a person.
0: Yeah, exactly, and what thats, that's an insane statistic. That—that's something you, you witness and take part of, like weekly. I, that's absurd. Like, I North Minneapolis is going
3: that. through it right now. Well. We always have been, but, um, I mean, we've had a number of children shot and dead this year through being God just damn. in the crossfires of the gun violence. Like it's really bad right now. One of my, um, friends, closest friends just got shot walking out of his house in the kneecap and like his femur shattered and all this. So it's like you, especially like if you live in an, or work in an area like I do, it's like, you should know how to stop the bleed. You should know how to do that. You should have a tourniquet. Mm-hmm. You should practice these things. Your tourniquet should be staged. It should actually be ready to go. Okay? <laughs> like... Take
0: it out, the plastic wrapping people. <laughs> yeah. Please yes. use Hopefully cat tourniquets. Shows up on the
2: range, with a wrapped tourniquet, everyone will make fun of you, and it's not safe.
1: 100%. Plus, like, a Stop the Bleed class minimum is, like, an hour. I think the longest one I've been to is 4 Um, but it's, it doesn't take that
3: much of your time. It doesn't take that much of your time. And like, you could literally end up saving somebody's life. You could happen upon a car accident. My coworker has happened upon so many freak accidents, car accidents, all sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, and he's like, I had to use this t-shirt to try to turn a kit and all. And I'm like, you need to take this class. And this is where I'm going to plug Freedom Street Health because that's where I sent him. Freedom Street Health does sliding fee, donate what you can online and in real life, so you don't have to be in Minneapolis to participate, but they do Gunshot Wound First Aid and Stop the Bleed. They do... Um They do um, Know Your Enemy training, which teaches you about less lethal munitions that police use against people and stuff like that. Um, We also do CPR trainings, just the basic. I do Narcan trainings. I do HIV education. Like, we have a lot of cool classes. And it's pay what you can, and it's all online, and it's accessible to everyone. But, like, learn your crap. Like, you're way more likely to need to put a tourniquet on somebody than ever have to actually shoot at somebody. And if that makes you feel a little let down, you should reprioritize why you are into firearms. It's not this glorious, like, look how, like, yes, we all like to LARP. Let's not lie. Live, laugh, LARP. Hell yeah. I love to put my stuff on and I love to, I have these ski masks that my friend, uh, Their Instagram handle is Later Loser. They mostly make memes about skaters. But they make these ski masks that have, like, embroidered things on the forehead. One says, like, finger me. Like, they're just so... But I love wearing those to my range days. (laughs) Like, it's a lot of fun. And then LARPing on top of it, obviously. But, like, that stuff's fun. But, like, that's... It's not real life. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah, it's cool to have those skills. We don't know what's going to happen. Right? But, like, bro. You really might need to have to help somebody patch up a wound someday. They might yeah. just like fall and cut themselves on something. Like, you really don't
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. The stupidest things can happen to you that can cause some pretty bad injuries. So, yeah. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Uh, but, like, um, I'm glad you, your, you. Wait, what's
3: your goofiest injury? If you're speaking from okay. personal
0: experience. All right. So, literally, beginning of lockdown, COVID. I had a bunch of batteries I'd gotten from Amazon. These were like batteries for my weapon lights or whatever. And I don't know why I'm using a knife. I could just use fucking scissors. Like, what am I doing right now? I have a very sharp knife, and it went. It, it cut past the cardboard into my hand. It was my finger actually. It got really close to the bone. It didn't hit the bone, thank God. But it was a pretty deep cut, and I kind of panicked a little bit. And I was with my my dad, and he saw and he, you know first he called me an idiot, rightfully so, and then he he patched and then he patched I mean, me I'm up. I'm victim blame. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I like, like, want to meet you your dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to meet so, your dad. That's dope. Yeah, so he, he iodined it, and then luckily the knife, because it's so sharp, can be a good thing because it, it was such a clean cut. And because it came at an angle, it didn't come like straight down to where you would need maybe stitches from that. The gravity assisted the flap of my skin go back onto itself, and I just had to tightly, you know, bandage it up or whatever, and it healed itself over time because I can't, I don't even see a scar. That's how clean the cut was. Wow, and it's just Wolverine. a miracle that it didn't, you know, hit my bone. And, you know, I could resume playing Doom Eternal freely. So, yeah. <laughs> so, that's my uh, fucking embarrassing is, story.
2: It really is really wild. It really is a wild life you, you lead.
0: Yeah. Uh, use scissors, that's people. people. Don't use Doom Eternal yeah. for hours, lockdown, yeah. <laughs> lockdown life. Yeah. I, I, you know, um, freak things can happen. You know, uh, if you ever watch... Uh, Anyone who watches mixed martial arts or UFC or boxing or whatever and you hear that like a fighter uh got injured and the fight was cancelled. Yeah, it happens oftentimes in training to overtrain. Sometimes it's because a guy tripped on an extension cord and dislocated his knee <laughs> and tore it. I'm not kidding. It's happened. It's happened. I like an extension cord defeated you. Like, yeah. And had, it's not just like his knee, oh, it kinda hurts. No, he tore like the ACL it was horrendous. Yeah, (laughs) so anything can defeat you. You are fragile. You are not a superhuman.
1: Yeah, we ain't shit. So,
2: (laughs) I mean, okay. Not wearing plates would make me a tank. (laughs) I guess it's not true. Are you saying that's
3: not true? I mean, I cut myself really badly on a mandolin earlier this year. Damn. It was my first time using one. We can't let this
2: go. We can't let this go. It was my
3: second date with my girlfriend, and I went over there, and she was like, let's bake this ridiculous cake where you have to slice oranges all extra weird and shit. And, like, here's a mandolin. I was like, oh, I've never used one of these. And I was like, you know, just killing it. And then, of course, my fucking thumb was like... And I'm just like, oh, yeah, because I'm chill with blood or whatever. And all my fred- friends are fucking medics because I'm in Freedom Street Health, right? I was like, oh, all my friends are fucking EMTs and nurses and shit. So I was like, it's fine. And, you know, it's it's our second date. And she's just like, my now girlfriend is just like, do you need to go to the hospital? Like da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to call my comrade Z and just like see if she'll come patch me up. And so my comrade comes over within like 10 minutes and just sits on the floor and just like glues my finger shut, cleans it up. And just like, da, da, da like thanks you know i don't have to go to the hospital my friends are emts it's fine well how, how did the cake, the cake turn out
2: instrument. i i seriously thought you meant the musical instrument i thought there was some oh
3: music no not the musical instrument and the cake turned out shitty but not because of me or my blood being in it the cake turned out <laughs> shitty because my girlfriend was vegan at the time is no longer vegan thankfully for cakes and she decided to use one of those awful egg replacers Egg replacer always—it made it super like sticky and goopy, and it just wasn't good at all. And I was like, "Well, I'm glad that I had a blood sacrifice involved for this thing that we didn't even really." <laughs> but I fell in love, so that's the real story. There it is.
0: There it is, love through cooking injuries. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So we we touched upon a lot of uh, topics right now, and I'm glad you you plugged in Freedom to Street Health because I was going to ask you about that anyways. But I think you did, you did a pretty good rundown. And I, you know, not enough of these resources are out there. And that's what, when I think about um, you know, community defense or you know, a genuinely providing resource to your community. I feel like a lot of people don't know what that means. And like, it, it goes beyond just hey, I got a gun and. Three of my friends that I go to a range with have guns. That's not community defense. That's a hobby. That's, that's practicing. That's do great. You community defensive?
3: Yeah. Community defense is showing up for an encampment in your city when they're trying to evict. Yes. That's community defense. Community defense is making sure people that live outside have food and water and not just showing up and dropping crap off on the curb. Actually asking people, hey, what's your name? What do you need? And then getting them what they need and bringing it back to them. That's community defense. Community defense is eviction defense. Community defense is so many things that aren't as glamorous to a lot of people. And I think that's why they don't really want to do them. But it's disease prevention. That is community defense. We have an HIV outbreak right now in Minneapolis in the encampments and in Duluth and in St. Paul. And it's a huge problem. Community defense is making sure people have uh, new supplies to use drugs with and that they have access to free HIV testing and that they have access to treatment and care. That is community defense.
0: Exactly. Like... A, like a small part of what I do is I consider it a component of perhaps a wider range of community defense like t- instructing a lot of progressives slash leftist people in the use of firearms very like that.
3: important
0: very important but you know I don't delude myself to thinking that like hey that makes me the next Black Panthers which it totally doesn't which I think too many people get lost in that idea because yeah Black Panthers are great and they really did it, you know embody oh we're a group of people that look out for our people like our community but it's not just because they, ma- they marched down to Capitol Hill with, with guns it's because they had clinics set up they had education centers set up for their community exactly. that were that were being harassed by cops like that's a lot exactly. more what made them valuable to their to their community
3: exactly Exactly. like let's play our strengths let's find a couple things that we're good at get connected plugged in show up regularly the other thing is don't try to do everything that's a problem i do look at me i'm like i'm in a medic group i was gonna go to emt school so i could be a better part of freedom street health because my job pays my tuition and i was like i'm just gonna do that i'm so spread thin and exhausted all the time i'm not doing that this year are you fucking kidding me like what was i thinking like I don't have to be a medic and be a firearms instructor and 40 hours a week do syringe exchange, HIV testing, uh, hepatitis C testing, education. Like I'm doing all this stuff and then I'm like, and then I'm going to make the memes and then I'm going to make the scenes. It's like, how about I pick three lanes and stay in them? Like that's not asking too much. Pick a few lanes. Stay in your lanes. You know,
0: I I agree. I, I, I think this applies to not just, you know, activist work. Or uh, it applies to anything. I, I say that it's you're a lot, you're a lot more valuable uh, to yourself and people around you if you pick two or, or two or three things, maybe less than that, and be hyper focused on those. Being a specialist, in my opinion, has more value than someone that's a jack of all trades. Because more than likely, jack of all trades, you're just you just kind of suck at more things versus being good at two things.
3: See, but I feel like what you're doing, I feel like what you're doing right now is just shading Gemini's. so (laughs) fuck you (laughs) jack of all trades master of none that is a gemini fucking conundrum here we are but no like i spread myself far too thin for a lot of the past year and i got to a point where i had to step back from everything for a minute just so i could recharge and refocus and like you're right we're not doing our community or ourselves any favors by burning ourselves out I try to live by something my friend Glitter taught me over a decade ago, which is under-promise, over-deliver. And if you're over-committed, you can't under-promise, over-deliver. You're going to be true. over-promising, and then you're going to have to cancel things, and then you're not going to be able to show up your best. And it's just really not the way to go, bro. I've learned my lesson.
0: Yep, it, it, it's, it's true. It's, yep, yeah, totally. And it's hard because we don't get to have the cool rocky montage where we get good in like two seconds because we had a cool workout scene with some 80s rock music right doesn't happen that quickly it's like oftentimes these are (laughs) it takes almost half your life to be genuinely like and considered like an expert depending on what the field is right i'm not saying you have to be the uh, a medic to know stop the bleed everyone anyone can do stop the bleed but to say for instance to be that like hey i i I am a professional firearm instructor that could take a lot of time or I am a genuinely good hand to hand combative self-defense instructor, which most people who say they are aren't aren't. So, yeah,
3: most of most of them really aren't. And like, I am a specialist in harm reduction and infectious disease prevention, and I've been doing that for a decade. You know, I've been doing that 40 hours a week for a decade and I'm trained in it and I have life experience. So it's like that is something I'm a specialist in. I'm not necessarily a specialist, you know, in a lot of the other things that I've dabbled in. And I'm really learning to drill down. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You've spoken a lot just now about your the realities living in Minneapolis and your upbringing and your current work. And I want to actually focus more on. Uh, Minneapolis because a lots happened obviously Minneapolis was ground zero for the George Floyd uh, protests and all that's unfolded since then with black lives matters and the that being the catalyst for many leftists to you know start getting more involved in your community and getting armed yeah but you know also you know, I was obviously it was the biggest media thing ever right and I you and I spoke about this before but so much of the coverage is non-existent at this point. It's completely gone. It's, it's treated as if the George Floyd uh, protests were just an era that's over. And I, I kind of compare it to being a a season on a TV show that once the season's over, like just that part never exists. The era is over. Versus it being real life. You know, things things change little sometimes. Even when there's a big outrage and big uh, performative actions, sometimes things don't actually change a whole lot. Sometimes they get worse. And I kind of wanted you to speak upon like what's going on right now in Minneapolis and what isn't the media covering. That they, now that they've found their next trend to cover. Right.
3: Yeah. So there's a lot I can say about that. First, I'm just going to ask the three of you, have you heard of George Floyd square?
2: No. Yes. You, you two have attempted thereof.
3: Okay. Yeah. So George Floyd square is where George Floyd was murdered and the street was taken over and it was turned into an autonomous space by community members. And they made demands. These are the demands that we have, you know? And so the thing with George Floyd square though, that most people don't know, it still exists. George Floyd square still exists. It's still being occupied. It has been the entire time ever since the day after he was murdered. You don't hear about that. If you don't live here, my, you know, I, I go by there every day um i know people that live within george floyd square and are actively a part of it and so it's like i see it every day i know it's there but i think sometimes like do people outside of minneapolis know that george floyd square is still occupied by the people do they know that the city came and took the barricades down the same day that derek chauvin was handed his sentence That was the day they decided to come and take the barricades and we were all rushing over with pallets and whatever we could to try to make the street barricaded off still because if you don't have it barricaded, you have cars driving in and killing people like they did to Diona Marie on Lake Street, right outside of where Winston Smith was assassinated in the parking garage. So it's like the police here are still murdering and assassinating people. And then people are still being killed by vehicles when they're trying to hold space and memorial and vigil. And you're not hearing about these things because people had their news cycle with, you know, the George Floyd uprising happened. That was this big thing. And then everything kept happening. Business as usual, all the same racism, all the same murders, all the same systemic violence. People still show up in the streets. We still show up. We still do what we have to do. Freedom Street Health was able to get protest supplies to Brooklyn Center every day on the ground, looking out for people, all that stuff. But you don't hear about it anymore. The cops are getting smarter. They're activating the National Guard day one now. Whenever there is a police murder, the people are smarter now, too. We communicate with radios now. We're all really coordinated. Everybody has their loops. Everybody actually has their affinity groups now. Like everything is so organized now, but the cops are more organized. They call in the National Guard right away. They kettle everyone right away, right? They got the church to stop taking us in because the church was giving us safe haven when they were trying to kettle everyone. And then... You know, day four, I think it was, we show up in the churches like, we are sorry you cannot be safe here anymore, you know, and it was just kind of like, that's that. And the night before, they had had us there all night where while well, the police had it surrounded and they were fucking feeding us sugar cookies. You don't hear about any of this because it's, it's the same story. The news doesn't want to tell you the same story. Also, they're protecting capital. Let's just call it what it is. When George Floyd was murdered, there was an uprising, and because People heard about it globally there were more uprisings right and there was more looting and there were more fires and like all of these things and they're like oh how can we protect capital and stop people from rising up how can we stop people power how can we stop a global movement how can we stop activists from coordinating with each other or like getting attention or not being seen as unhinged because they want us to just look unhinged Right, that's kind of the whole point. And so I mean, that's why that's why you're not really hearing anything out of Minneapolis anymore, even though business as usual is happening. Like, Winston Smith was literally assassinated because of his political positions and how he talked on Instagram and all that stuff. And they literally assassinated him when he was on a date in his car in a parking garage. They saw on one of his stories that he was at Stella's Fish Cafe and they still won't release the names of the police officers that killed him because they're saying that it was like they're saying it was some kind of investigation or something, blah, blah, blah. They lied to the press the day that they assassinated him and they lied and tried to put the seed out there that he had been responsible for uh, one of the deaths of the children who died from gun violence, and that is absolutely untrue, and they've admitted it's untrue since then. But once you put that out there, that spreads like wildfire, and then nobody wanted to care about that case. Of course. So fucked
0: up. An exciting lie is what's gonna cover your ass more than the truth. Well, I had no idea about so much of what you just told me right here. Um, I'm not exactly the most plugged-in person, and that's kind of my fault, but that's that's crazy and yeah it's like you said i mean what is the uh what is the strongest weapon to stop movement it's just not let news come out don't let information come out you can't you don't want to inspire people to do something about what's so shitty about their current situation i mean i talk to uh you know any everyday people maybe you know it could be your coworker. i mean family members or you know your uber driver whatever and you know you can talk about hey this shit's unfair these conditions are fucked up like you, you get paid nothing you get treated like shit you got no insurance and all this other stuff right you're working multiple jobs and they talk they're like, yeah i agree this is crap and then you start talking about hey let's change uh, you sow the ideas of changing the system but so many people are so beaten down that they're used to the status quo that they can't imagine changing it right like you bring oh, up the absolutely yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a form of uh, you know enslavement you have to beat the will out of them otherwise you can't, they won't be inspired to change their conditions and so absolutely yeah that's why like if you talk about oh capitalism sucks oh socialism this or let's you know let's genuinely change things to them because they've been born and bred to believe that these are fantasy ideas it's like it's unrealistic it's a too idealist or defend the bullshit that it's like oh it's just it's it's oppressive to to want equality right that's what it's oppressive so, to be free yeah yeah w- which is ironic because so many of these people talk about freedom they don't even know what freedom that is. isn't free yeah <laughs> Yeah, like they don't understand. Freedom to them is a like tailgate half naked with beers in an American flag. That That's freedom. It's not like, hey, can I get paid to not die like enough to not fucking die slowly? Like that's not freedom to them, right?
3: Yeah, well, and that's and that's one of the reasons that like, I really, really, really appreciate my platform that I have on Instagram, because it is. Not an inherently radical platform. It is inherently appealing to a 16-year-old girl with relationship problems. It is inherently appealing to a 25-year-old woman with borderline personality disorder. But then you plant the seeds, you know, and somebody can be like, well, why are landlords bad? And I'll be like, well, let me tell you why the concept of somebody claiming that they own land and then telling you that you have to pay their mortgage to live there is like, let me explain how that's parasitic really quick. You know, and it's like, I personally don't publicly claim any tendency politically. I don't. A lot of people are like, are you a communist? Are you an anarchist? Like, what are you? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to talk to you about ideas and I'm going to see how much you agree with me. And we're just going to let that be what it is.
0: Yeah, that's a good approach. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point because within many leftist groups, whether it be anarchists, whether they be Marxist Leninists or whatever, like the biggest downfall to infighting is a bunch of people bitching and crying over labels and doing little, very, very little. Ironically, they spend more time, tearing each other down than fascists. And I think that's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. It happens all the time.
3: Absolutely. And that's not just within leftist circles. Like I work with everyday working people, right? Like I go to work every day. I go into my neighborhood every day with just like everyday working people of all different kinds of backgrounds. And they don't necessarily feel politically charged in any direction a lot of the time because they are beaten down by the system and they are just trying to fucking survive. Like, right. And so it's like, if I can just talk about ideas with people, so they people have preconceived notions around anarchy, people have preconceived notions around communism, they have preconceived notions about these things that they're not going to shake in a conversation if you're using these words. But if you're just talking to people about like, hey, like, your boss is like literally does nothing and takes credit for your work and makes twice as much money as you. That's not really fair, is it? You know, like somebody's way more likely to hear that and then, like, hey, let's talk to the union. You know what I mean? Like, they're way more likely. Like, I work with so many people who wouldn't consider them political any which way, but they're a part of the union and they feel really, really proud about it. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, how can we talk about ideas and get everyday people to be on board with mutual aid and helping each other and, like, the way that we can live, right? And, like, yeah, maybe landlords are scum and maybe that is really bad. You know what I mean? Without them having to be like, oh, but I heard it from... An anarchist or a communist or you know whatever it's like that that's that's for a lot of people just gonna shut them from listening and I'm not even I don't work with right wing people or around right wing people I work in the inner city it's just people that are too busy trying to survive to care about the shit that we talk about on the internet
0: yeah exactly yeah so that's my other fucking problem i, I just could be it's own episode like left i call it left book it's like facebook but it also applies to instagram i am well aware media. of left book yeah I, I spent a number of years on there and i i regret most of that time to be honest with Did you. you could you say that you left left book <laughs> i have not quite left left book but i have left a lot of the uh useless shit i i was used to be part of and it's like it's everyone is out here trying to you know do a dick measuring contest in terms of how much marxist literature they know as if that any of that ultimately fucking matters when it comes to as you just said like inner city working class people because if you were to go to them and be like hey did you know that like stalin's fucking great and you got to read a capital like dude i you know even if even if they you know thought you were right. It, well, how is that helping them right now? Like, you know, and that in that's that's going too far. They wouldn't even want to even hear you at that point if you're talking about style. Like, what I the fuck are you, talking, you about? talking about? Yeah, it's like ideas. that's not in relation to either. what they do. Like that's not <laughs> well, that's not helping anyone.
3: And I know so many people uh that I met when I was, you know. I know so many people, I'll just say, involved in the Socialist Rifle Association, for instance, (laughs) who are, you know, involved in different communist parties and stuff like that, and they read all their communist literature, and they do all that, and they sit and they get on these communist party meetings, and they, you know, talk about whatever. And I'm like, do you think that you're going to be the dictatorship of the proletariat? Like, do you think that you are this... The, you know what I'm like? You're sitting in your room. You don't have any comrades in real life. You don't have any connection to your community around you. You don't know how to grow a fucking potato, and you don't know anyone else who does. Like, what are you personally actually like? It's this weird, like, self-glorifying almost. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Don't know. No. Exactly. That's what I mean. I, 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 everything you just said was like a mental checklist I kept in my head. I'm like this person that talks the loudest. On internet forums and chat groups and constantly starts stupid facebook yeah. wars doesn't do anything for people in around them mm-hmm. uh reads a lot but then applies none of the so-called theory that they <laughs> read about and they have no life skills of any kind so i'm like i can't imagine a more useless human being in my opinion other than <laughs> other than a landlord you know what i'm saying it's like short of being a landlord
1: bad you heard it here first
0: yeah it's like I I tell I say this all the time, like you're you can be the most ardent leftist, whatever, like hardcore leftist out there, but it ultimately doesn't matter. Like I know so many people out there that do attempt to do stuff like they wanna teach medical, they wanna teach firearms, but then like their their knowledge hadn't progressed nineteen sixties, whatever. So like ultimately you're actually just doing more harm because you couldn't take two seconds to look up your own shit. And this is my this is the same thing. It's like good intentions don't mean anything if you can't, you know willfully back it up with something of substance and so absolutely you know, yeah it, it pisses me off a whole lot i'm by no means a fucking fantastic actor. as a matter of fact i gotta do more and I, I, I hope to do more around my area we all gotta do more well some of us gotta do less but some of us <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you need to do less sounds like i need to do more i'm gonna take a fucking nap oh, after this like, i love this that for you one of
2: the things that was really exciting that you said was like you know you talk to people about politics right and then you 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 talk to people about their experiences. You talk to people about politics. You talk to people about the issues in their life, and then they're like, "Okay, well, you know, what what do I, what do I do about it?" And so the sort of capitalist realism things we were talking about before, where it's like you can't even imagine like what something else might be. a you know, person, yeah, an ordinary person yeah. is like, "Oh, well, I guess I just got to vote, right?" But one <sighs> of the things that you were talking about earlier regarding mutual aid and you know teaching people. Uh, life-saving skills, teaching people on firearms. These are also these are also, frankly, political acts. They're just not political acts that that you would think about because here in this country, you learn from you know in, in school, like, oh yeah, what is politics? Politics is showing up on November fourth or whatever day it is, you know, writing in whoever's name or marking that bubble, and you, you 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 put it in there, and you go home and you watch what happened on TV. That's not you know that is a type of politics. That is something you can do. But what's really exciting about a lot of work that you do is that that is also political as well.
3: Absolutely. I think it's much more political to, you know, talk to somebody who lives in your neighborhood, who's telling you that they don't have a safe place to sleep and to actually help them acquire a safe place to sleep than it is to be like once every four years I go to a ballot box, you know. But speaking of ballot boxes, Minneapolis has a mayor election uh, coming up on November 2nd. And I doubt this podcast, I don't know if it'll be out by then or not, but if you, but if it is and you live in Minneapolis, don't rank Jacob Fry. Do not rank him. He is a garbage human. We call him Jacob Fry, the eviction guy, for a reason. He is a bad, 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 bad man. He is a trash heap. And uh, do not rank him. He does not deserve to be mayor of this city. He's garbage. I'm not usually a big, like, vote person, you know? But, like, go vote for someone who's not Jacob Fry, don't rank jacob fry i just had to say that
0: what are you when happens. is your elections
3: uh, we have a mural election on november 2nd
1: and y'all have a ranking system that's so fascinating Yeah,
3: so you can rank like up to three God, like,
2: just voting holy
3: crap yeah you can rank up to three candidates and one of the reasons this election is so important is because uh there's actually there's a lot of things going on but like We, so you know how Minneapolis tried to defund the police last year? And that was like this big... 150. Yeah, it was like this big news thing, and then no one ever really talked about it. It's because we have this like charter amendment where there's these non-elected appointed people who get to decide if we get to vote on if there's a police force and all these things like that. And so people have been fighting to be like, hey, we want to actually be able to vote on that. Or like, we want the... Police to be accountable to more people than just the mayor, like the whole city council. And, like, Fry is like, no, 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 to all of these things because he's a garbage human and he just has to go. Yo, fuck this guy. Dude, he's really, really... Also, he's so cringy. Do you guys like cringing? I love cringing. It's my I favorite I love film. cringe shit, yeah. Okay, if you look up Jacob Fry, um Sweet Caroline, it's... Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, he made his own song. I'm sure his interns wrote it for him because it sounds like... Uh, millennial like straight feminist girl with really short bangs wrote it but he performs on stage and stomps around like a little toddler with a smile like he's really proud of himself and he does the most white guy thing you can do he sings his own lyrics to sweet caroline about himself and it's really it's like the cringiest thing you could ever see and this man is the mayor of my city and
0: i just mentally threw up thinking about this
3: yeah, yeah. it's really he, bad he did he, he do the thing where
2: the chorus happens and everyone goes ba 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 like it's in college and they're at a bar
3: okay i'm gonna tell you right now i so i grew up i was one of my only white friends right like i didn't know i didn't grow up with many white people i grew up in a poor inner city neighborhood i grew up in north minneapolis like it was what it was um and so as an adult Me and some friends, we went to this, like, cosmic bingo. It's, like, late night black light bingo at the casino, right? I don't know, whatever. It was in my early 20s when I used to drink. Um, And so we go to this thing, and suddenly, like, Sweet Caroline comes on. And I barely knew this song at all. So I didn't know people did that thing. You were just talking about that bomb, bomb, bomb thing. I'd never heard that in my life. And, yeah, no, and so... I'm the only white person in my friend group at this event at the time. And Sweet Caroline comes on and almost everyone else in the bingo hall is white. And they all start doing the like, so good, so good, so good. And the bump, bump, bump. And my friends all look at me. And they go, answer for your people. What is going on?
2: I I got it back. It's so bad. It's so bad. Wow, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. I
3: was like, I really don't know, but I apologize for my people. (laughs) Like, I don't know what this is, dude.
0: (laughs) Just... Just white people stuff. Yeah, really white people, white like people. Twenty-five
2: years old, just graduated college. You know, trying to bring it back to the glory days. You go yes. to the bar and play "Sweet Caroline." All of a sudden, you're like, "Bah, bah, bah." You know, it's yeah. Uh,
3: well, imagine yeah. a thirty-five-year-old mayor, however old he is, stomping around looking like he pooped his pants and singing lyrics about himself to that song. And there's my mayor. Not my yeah. mayor. I fucking hate this guy. I literally hope he chokes. But yeah, I found the <laughs> video. I'm gonna watch it after this. Yo, please let me know what you think. Like DM me and like just show me cringe emojis. I want to know I ruined your night. So I can't. I
2: can't. I can't do it, Odie. I want to do it. I can't do it. I get that feeling that you get when you like you know how you're watching The Office and like Scott's Tots comes on. And it's cr- I've never watched The Office. I'm here breaking
3: stereotypes of white people. I've never watched The
2: Office. <laughs> All right. So, so like, Scott's thoughts, like, is, is, that feeling you get of awkwardness when it's, when it's, it's you know, on a TV or on a screen. And, like, I, I, I hate that feeling. I can't I can't do it, Odie. I can't do it. You outside. don't like
3: that? Oh, cringing is literally my favorite feeling. I like feeling, like, my inside. You know what I used to do pre-pandemic times? I would, my friend Taylor, um, shout out Black Disability Collective, but my friend Taylor and I, I used to be like, Taylor, will you come with me to this open mic? I don't like open mics. I like cringing so we would go to these open mics and I would literally just hold my friend's hand and like I'm not mean so I'm not going to like laugh at somebody or something like that but when it would get really cringy I would just like squeeze my friend's hand really tight and just like stare in their eyes just (laughs) 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 yeah I love I love cringing it is my favorite feeling
0: I will say if we're talking about cringing what I used to do in high school was I would watch I would watch Steven Seagal movies to make myself feel better because that guy can't fight and he can't act it's fucking hilarious he also can't
1: write he wrote a book it's terrible (laughs) is it
3: bad that i can't even think of who he is oh you know who it is
1: slick back black hair we're
3: all greasy looking
0: yeah oh the greasy guy i'm steven seagal i know aikido and i think i think i'm japanese (laughs) because i once lived japan uh, and like one of the the okay, he still acts, and he did a whole a weird, hilarious, god awful film set in like a fictional African country with like Chinese film industry money that had like Chinese actors in it. And Mike Tyson, I'm not kidding by the way the boxer Mike Tyson played an African warlord in the worst accent I've ever heard in my entire life of an African warlord and uh, midway through the movie at some point in time like the, the, the Chinese characters play like these investors are speaking Mandarin to each other and then the camera zooms out like th- these two just had a very in-depth Mandarin conversation. It zooms out and you just see Steven Seagal sitting in the room and Steven Seagal says, why aren't you speaking English? <laughs>
1: oh my fucking god
2: shut the fuck up <laughs> I'm not gonna watch So, Drew, I'm not gonna watch this buddy I'm already I'm already I'm already feeling that that feeling that I get where I'm just like Ugh, I, can't, I can't do it buddy I can't do it
0: um oh before so I just want to close out but I want one thing that what what are things actions skill sets that you think that leftists should be doing right now beyond firearm ownership right?
3: go to fucking therapy work on your shit learn how to directly communicate with people but with care so you're not just being an asshole and being like you're just mad that i speak the truth like no like actually learn how to directly communicate learn how to communicate and set healthy boundaries with people in your life Learn how to approach people you in your community and, like, let them know when they've crossed your boundaries, but, like, in a loving way. Learn how to apologize when you fuck up and admit that you fucked up. Learn how to just be like, hey, I fucked up. I'm sorry. This is what I'm going to do to not fuck up like that in the future. It's literally that simple. You can repair a relationship that would otherwise end in breakup because you doubled down and you kept fucking doubling down. Like, these are skills everyone should learn. Learn how to accept an apology. Learn how to accept an apology and let other people be wrong sometimes. Let other people learn and grow. Don't dogpile people when they're trying to learn and grow. Um, let yourself learn and grow. You don't always have to agree with yourself today. I don't want to always agree with myself today. I hope I listen to this podcast episode in 10 years and I go, damn, cringe. I've like learned and grown so much since then. Like, whoa, that was so cringy of me. You know, like, I really hope that's true. I hope I'm always learning and growing. Like, that's what I want. So, like all the things you can do. Yeah. Like learn basic medical skills. Sure. Learn how to use Narcan and carry it. That's great. Sure. You know, help out your local encampments. If you're not doing anything mutual aid related, go talk to people, introduce yourself, ask them what they need. That's a simple thing anyone can do. That's a simple thing anybody can do. But first and foremost, like work on your mental health. People aren't doing that. Work on your communication skills, work on your boundaries, work on how to have positive conflict you can have conflict with people in your life that actually ends results in the relationship strengthening and healing old wounds like that's possible and that's really really actually easy and you feel a lot better and it's great and like work on that stuff like that stuff is so important if we're not able to do that with each other how the fuck are we going to be in community and what survive and run a revolution and like like i'm sorry that's a pipe dream like none of that's going to happen if we can't fucking communicate with each other lovingly and respectfully directly and like also like know how to repair conflict and harm
0: 100 percent. i mean that's that. that's a. Uh... That's a fantastic answer you gave. Like, be not to sound too cheesy, but you know, you have to be in a healthy mindset. You have to work, you need to be a genuinely caring human being to do the work that you claim that everyone should be doing, right? The whole part of organizing and being a leader in your community like none of that happens if you're incapable of talking to people if you're incapable of not understanding where your flaws are and and all that so so absolutely you know it's it's great that you're you're pointing that out seriously uh firearms is a very as much as we all everyone here it's it's great you know we it's great to have great good great hobby extremely useful skill set but at the end of the day it's there are some more important things out there. Your health is more important. Um, how you know how you interact with people around you is more important. And again, like we, the, the ultimate goal, I guess, if, is that so many people talk about is revolution. Like it is a pipe dream because we can't even form healthy relationships, right? More than often than not, like don't even talk to me about revolution if you can't talk to your neighbor if you can't if you can't hold an organization longer than two months, right, <laughs> which is way too often, do I see these grand plans and groups forming, whatever. And they're, you know, it seems like a week later, they're gone, because people have to get into, you know, spiteful uh, debates, right? So well, yeah, like, yeah. I mean,
3: how are you realistically gonna buy land with your comrades that you kind of just met some of them and stuff like that? If you can't, admit you were wrong and apologize to your roommates for not, like, ho- pulling your weight with household chores. Like, it starts simple. It starts really fucking simple.
0: hmm Only you can lead the revolution. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Only you can admit... <laughs> Smokey,
0: Smokey the Bear. Comrade Smokey the Bear, yeah.
3: Yeah. Only you can make sure you're doing your part and keeping your side of the street clean and having healthy relationships, yeah. and that's literally it.
2: Um, and then you can, you can model like that for the it's people It's like, how do you expect to re- lead the revolution if you can't wash the dang dishes? Or, you know, something like that. Yep.
3: A exactly. Which how is, do you expect is, to re- lead the revolution if you can't tell somebody that you have a problem with something they did?
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, facts. Well, hey, um, it was great having you on. You know, there, there's just so much there's so much great content topics that you've covered I feel like we could do an episode even just on each topic that you brought up but you know we're a little bit short on time here but thank you for coming on Odie I really want to thank you for taking the time and uh, shouting out your people and t- telling us about your work
3: yeah thank you for having me you guys are really great I was like kind of like oh god this might be a little awkward I don't I don't know any of these people really and I'm like oh my god y'all are so easy to talk to and really fun and great and snow seems super dope I'm just gonna throw that out there I like (laughs) you we should we should be friends anyway hi yeah you guys are all really cool and it was really fun doing this and not intimidating or scary at all
0: Uh, snow is objectively the coolest one
2: we
3: need the, we need the plugs you got to do the 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 list of
2: plugs at the end like what are the plugs what do you want to plug
3: so, obviously, I want to plug my Instagram, which is not.yr.boyfriend. Um, if you click my link in my bio, uh, I have zines for sale and whatnot on boundaries, healthy conflict, um, repairing attachment styles, stuff like that. Um, I also have cool merch, and I also have a 50% off code uh, for a sex toy shop. Because uh, they pay me to post ads, which is kind of cool. So if you want to nice. get a new dildo, you can go in my bio for that too. Um, also, I ha- go to Freedom Street Health. Uh, Freedom Street Health is Instagram. They have a... Link in their bio as well, where you can help buy stuff off their wish list to help put together first aid kits for community and also help put together wound care kits for injection drug users uh, at encampments and at syringe service programs. And uh, let's see, you could also sign up for classes there. Classes, sliding fee classes. Anybody can take classes. If you can't afford to donate anything, that's okay. You can still sign up for the class. The link is in the bio of Freedom Street Health. Also, Atlas Defense MN on Instagram or Atlas defense, Minnesota, you can just Google it. Uh, they do a lot of, uh, they have like online trigger control Tuesday classes, dry fire Fridays, stuff like that, that anybody can do online. They also do permit to carry for Minnesota situational awareness trainings and lots of other really cool violence prevention stuff. So those are all my, uh, big shout outs. I think, I hope I'm not forgetting anything important to me.
0: All right. Awesome. Uh, Definitely. Anyone listening, follow follow all everything Odie just said. Great resources. I think it can only help improve your life and the lives of other others around you. So, uh, with that said, uh, this is Yellow Peril Tactical signing out, and thanks for joining us.